Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord and God. We just ask that the presence of Almighty God would even increase more now, Lord, as we prepare to hear the word of Almighty God. Father, I pray that truly, Lord, that you could use me just, just that I would just be a vessel, God, just a vessel to be used by God, that the Spirit of God would just move with inside me, and God, that you would speak the words that you once spoken tonight, Lord, and every word, Lord, would be anointed of Almighty God, would find good resting place, good soil in the hearts of those that hear, and Lord, that it would cause us to grow, produce fruit in our life, good decisions, God, that we can represent you, that we can be ambassadors of Christ. God, we invite the Spirit of Almighty God, God the Holy Ghost, to come, saturate this place with your presence, with your power, with your convicting finger, God, and with your glory. Lord, let this place be a supernatural place, week after week, and especially now, tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I know probably for most families, today has been kind of a long uh, day with Father's Day, maybe running to two different homes if you're married and have fathers to honor. And so possibly, if I don't get too wound up, maybe we'll just kind of wind down a little earlier than normal. But it tells us in Hosea, uh, it tells us that God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Okay, now that's not, man knows how to get to the moon, man golfed on moon, drove a car on the moon, landed something on Mars, who knows what else they'll do, found the Titanic. I mean, man can do some awesome things, but it's not talking about that knowledge. And you probably know that here if you've come here any length of time. So when we kind of just disregard the Word of God in our life, whether it's coming across the pulpit or on your own time of reading, God says you are heading for the biggest iceberg in your life. Okay, just like they thought the Titanic would never sink, a lot of us think, I know what I'm doing, I'm all right. So this is where this message is coming from. And it also can be related to our nation. I mean, if you look at the condition of our nation, you look at the current stuff that's going on that has never gone on before, uh, all of a sudden you look at your cell phone a little different, don't you? I mean, I'm, I do, I'm going, ooh. Because of what our nation is now into. And so you kind of look at our nation and, and you just think, oh, there's kind of just no hope. But if you understand this word tonight, you'll see. You'll see that there is hope. And the hope is also for you as an individual. God will deal with us as a nation. He'll deal with us corporately as a church in this nation. He'll deal with us individually as this church body, and he'll deal with us as you by yourself being a church under God. So God will get us covered one way or another. And so tonight I hope that this gives you hope even if you find yourself in the midst of something like this, and you certainly do as far as a nation and being an American. And 
a Christian in this nation. Okay, glory. If that hasn't confused you, then we'll just simply go now to the opening text is Isaiah 55, verse 8. And these, these scriptures are amazing. These scriptures are alone should be enough to make you obey what we were preaching about this morning. And that was to just obey, to be obedient. When you look at this scripture, and this scripture is already telling you, you and I don't even think alike. God says, you and I don't even have the same thoughts. So when you sit down and think, man, maybe God's going to, or maybe God wants, without incorporating the word of God in your life, you can't even think on the same vein as God. So the wise thing to do would just be simply obey the book that gives us his thoughts. And not you try to figure out, well, grandma and grandpa, forget all that stuff. And so that's the opening text God tells us. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Any kind of thoughts, provoking thoughts, angles, or direction that I go towards or through up here better be from the Word of God. You do not want to hear, thus saith Joe, or thus saith what I think. Or this one's okay, but look at the one I wrote. Isn't it true? You don't want to hear, you want to hear the word of God through a preacher or a pastor or whoever. So God tells us right in Isaiah, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So whatever you've been thinking on things, you better line it up with the word of God or you're incorrect. Because you cannot even think like God, so therefore just obey the book that tells you how God thinks. Real simple. It is. Then he goes on and even says that, by the way, neither are your ways my ways. Your ways, like how you figure out things, how you do things, how you come to a conclusion. God, I don't even do that stuff. I don't even have that kind of ways in my ways. And so when you, you, you must not lean onto your own understanding when it comes to an, our nation, church of the nation, this church, or you as a church. You must totally, completely lean upon God because God says, you don't even think like I do. Do you understand how vulnerable that makes you if you don't lean on the Word of God? You're out there in left field. You're out there in no man's land. You're out there doing just what you think is right. And so God tells us through Isaiah. And then he tells us again, like if we're not getting it, he goes, go outside. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And by the way, my thoughts than your thoughts. So when you're thinking on something, mulling something over, and you're failing to use the word of God, go outside and look up and think, I better read the word. Because you have no idea what God is saying. You've got to see that. Do you see that? You've got to be convinced. And that word thoughts means God's intentions or purpose. You cannot figure out God's intentions in a situation or a purpose without the Word of God. You're not even on the same page. It's impossible. There's a commercial. I don't know what it's over. I think it has to do with math and science or something. You ever seen a commercial, a guy sitting at a desk? 
And three or four people come in and just going, me, me, my, me, my, mama, me, me, my, mama, me, me, mama, me, me, mama. Who's seen it? Please, someone saw. You saw? And the guy's standing at the desk going. <laughs> but in reality, the commercial is saying, they are speaking a language. They are high learned, I guess, in math and English that this guy doesn't know a thing about and realize he's totally lost unless he does something about it. So this gibber and jabberish that's going on is proving that they're at this level of talk. It's like me trying to talk to my son, Jonathan. And I'll say, John, how does that work? And he just starts, rum, rum. I said, John, tell me in my language. And he, he stumbles him. He almost doesn't know how to bring it down to that because it's so, you know, and that's what this commercial, and that's what it is with God. When God speaks to you and you don't have the word hidden in your heart, you don't have a clue what he's saying. He must be going to me, me, my, me, mo, 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 mo to you. Because you don't get it. Nothing witnesses. Nothing lines up. There's no plumb line. You're just out there somewhere thinking, I think this is north. I'll go north. And it's dead south. You don't know. And so God tells us right in the opening text, my thoughts, my intentions, my purposes concerning you, America, the American church, and this church, you don't even have a clue outside of the Word of God. That should make you be a student of the Word. What else do you do? How else do you make your decisions? You got dice at home? Eight, we move to Florida? Twelve, we stay here. I mean, what do you do? How do you make your decisions? So God says, my thoughts, my intents, and my purposes. Here's, here's some examples. The Word of God says we walk by faith. Man says, show me. Didn't Thomas say that? Show me and I'll believe. Show me. People want to do that now when we talk to them. God is spiritual. Man is material. The things of God. God says, seek treasures above. And we're going, man, if I could just build a bigger house, if I could just make this kind of one. Total opposites. God exalts himself through humility. Man through self-exaltation. I'm the best. I'm the greatest in the world. Charging Christ, who is the Son of God, wouldn't say a word. So opposite. God controls by love, man by force. God says, come away with me, my beloved. My beloved, come away. Man goes, you're going to listen to me or not? Total opposite. That's why we never got the uh, crucifixion. He's coming as a king. We're going to win. Follow him. And he gets nailed to the cross. What? Never entered their mind. God's way is to put all grudges and bitterness aside. Put them away. Man's way is to hold them until you can get revenge. Total opposite. <clears throat> so I believe it's safe to say that you and I don't understand God's dealing with us outside of this. And believe me, 
a lot of times, even with this, my thoughts are like this. They just are. And we read about this morning, told about the only way you're going to get to heaven is you can become a child, childlike belief. And I'm thinking, man, I know I got the book, I got the spirit in me, God in me. I know you love me, Lord, but I just can't figure things out at times. And so you just obey. Just obey. Let me give you some more examples. Here's one that none of us like. But I believe God wounds us. Wounds us in order to heal us. What? Oh, yeah. I do. I believe God will wound you. in order to heal you. I do. It doesn't make any sense, God. It doesn't make... Oh, but my thoughts and my ways are, don't line up with God's. They just don't. Isaiah tells us one thing. <clears throat> all we like sheep have gone astray. That word all means every face I'm looking at and everyone I'm looking through. You. This is what we do. All we like sheep have gone astray. We don't have to be taught how. You don't have to go to a, a stray class 101. It's just in us. We know how to go astray. We know what to do. In fact, we're gold medalists at going astray. We just are. It's in our nature. It's in our fiber. It's in our being. So God tells us through Isaiah, all you are like sheep and you've gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And this is what we do. That word astray is like wander. It means to be out of the way. What way? This way. We can't exist out of this. It's like a fish out of water. I don't know who would die first, us or the fish. I think it's us. Before there were fences, uh, the wandering sheep or the rebellious sheep or the, there's certain sheep that just kind of do that. I mean, they just, they're just are. Ruth and the cats, and we've had a number of cats throughout the year, years, and we've had one cat that was nasty, just nasty. I mean, it'd take your face off rather than look at you. Okay, we had that cat. That was a critter. Then we had another cat. That, that mean cat was called Angel, by the way, Angel of Death, more likely. Then we had another cat called Whiskers. Not that long ago, maybe some of you, nice cat, big, or a nice-looking, pretty cat, but didn't like people. And I would tell them, hey, you're a pet in my house, and if I want to pet you, stay still. Because when you want to go to pet them, if you have a cat, you want to go to pet them, you know, just didn't want, don't touch me. I don't like you. You eat my food, you drink my water. So pets have different personalities, and, and so, so do sheep. Uh, they, they really do. In fact, I have to use Daryl's story. I just thought of it, looking at him. He was just talking to us. Uh, I don't understand all about sheep because he was saying that, I don't know, some got out. He didn't, matter, didn't know where they got or whatever, and he said they were in the clover. And I'm thinking, so what? So they're in the clover. 
Okay, well, somebody drove up or something as he tried to give him back. I don't know how much time he could ask him later. He said, uh, there's a dead sheep, I think, in your field with his feet up, bloated. Because he didn't have the sense to stop eating the clover, and it killed him. All we like sheep don't have the sense to live without God. And so the wandering sheep, they would go and break the leg of the sheep. They wouldn't wander anymore. But he also would be carried around by the shepherd until his leg was healed. Now, you know this is a principle. I don't know if they still do it in sheep, but you know a doctor will re-break your arm. Sounds horrible. You break your arm, some accident or something, and either you don't think it's broke or you don't go to the doctor or they try to fix it and it's just not... It's not like, right, and he goes, we've got to re-break that. I'm going, you, are you crazy? It was horrible enough that I broke it. Now you're going to tell me you broke it. You're going to break it. But they re-break it so that, well, men right. Dentists will re-break your jaw. Thinking, what? Gives me the creeps thinking about it, but they'll do that. And when these great earthquakes and things and stories, even the Oklahoma bombing, I remember reading that, and over in Japan, they'll come and they'll cut your leg off to pull you out to save your life. So it is a principle. And if you don't understand it, when God starts to do it, without that knowledge or insight, you can get huffy or bad at God. Disillusion and walk away and think, what are you doing, God? People shake their fist at God. So Hosea 13.1, New Living Translation, it says this. When the tribe of Ephraim spoke, this is one of the twelve. And at this particular time and moment in Hosea's life, it says when Ephraim spoke, the people shook with fear, for that tribe was important in Israel. That tribe had influence or, or power or something about it that they shook when Ephraim spoke. But then there's always the but. The people of Ephraim sinned by worshiping Baal and thus sealed their destruction. People shook when our nation spoke. When our nation held up the banner of truth. Remember that one pastor from Nigeria? Pastor Peter said, when the United States' economy has a cold, our economy has pneumonia. If our economy is going, their economy is out, wiped out. And so it's like that with Ephraim. When Ephraim spake, trembling would take place. Because it was one of the most powerful of the 12 tribes in Israel's early history. They spake with authority. There was trembling as they led the way. Now we find them sinning, just like America. Or maybe you. I have been told, never had a clue, I remember witnessing, sitting, sitting in McDonald's um, on Maysville Pike talking to someone who decided to quit serving God. And he'd say this, and I would just say, the Bible says. 
And then he would say this, and I'm just saying, the Bible says, just having a regular conversation, drinking my Coke, and he told me uh, years later after I ran into him again, he never did come back to serving God that I know of, that he shook every time I spoke the word. And so there are people who have been like that, who have had the word of God in them, and they would speak, and people would shake, and then they would start sinning and lose what God gave them, just like our nation has, just like churches have, just like pastors have, just like sheep have. Verse 2 says, Now they continue to sin by making silver idols, Images shaped skillfully with human hands. Sacrifice to these, they cry and kiss the calf idols. Progression of worse, worse, from speaking with authority to now look what you're doing. Worse and worse. You're never better off turning your, the back, like we said this morning, to God. You're always worse. Always. And here we see it here. Verse 3 says, Therefore... They will disappear like the morning mist. Just, was it two days ago, or maybe it was yesterday. I think it was Saturday morning. I got up, and there's a cornfield. Well, it's something else this year, soybeans or something. And you couldn't even see across it. It was just a haze or a mist or a fog. And I don't know, it was 7.30, and I said, gee, Ruth, you can't even see across the field. And I think I went in and turned the... uh, tea water on or something and walked back and it was, it was like gone. Because the sun pierced through the cloud and came up over and bam, it was gone. And God says that is it. Therefore they will disappear like the morning mist. Who will? This Ephraim, this once feared group of people. Like dew in the morning sun, like chaff blown by the wind, like smoke from a chimney. That's pretty quick. And that seems to be what's happening to our nation. Its authority, its position in the world, just disappearing. That's what's happened to the church. Where's the church in America? I don't know. Once there was smoke bellowing from the chimney. Now there's, there's nothing. Same with you and I. Verse 4 tells us this. I have been the Lord your God ever since I brought you out of Egypt. God says, I've always been there for you, always. You must acknowledge no God but me. You must. You must acknowledge that. Our nation is not doing that. We're no longer a Christian nation. This is what verse 4, you must acknowledge no God but me, even as individuals. Only God can hold that place in your life. For there is no other Savior, God says. Look at 5. I took care of you in the wilderness, in that dry and thirsty land. But when you had eaten and were satisfied, you became proud and forgot me. God says. We can become that as a church. Oh, yeah. Who was with me way in the beginnings? We used to roll up our carpet after every service. We had no heat in the building. You ladies would clap with gloves on. Now look at us. You have to be very careful when God fills you and bless you that you do not forget God. 
our nation has forgotten, have, have totally forgotten, and I believe the Church of America has forgotten. America itself and the Church of America. And God says, but when you have eaten and well satisfied, you become proud and you'll forget me. This is the state that we're in as a church, I think, in America. This is the state that our nation certainly is in. They think their bombs, their rockets, their superpower, their jets, their navy, their... They have all that ability. And a few guys get on airplanes and fly them into our buildings. Now, how can that be? When all you got to do is scramble and you have jets up and boom, shoot rockets in seconds and bing. No one knew nothing. America's become proud and forgotten. Now look what happens. Here comes the wounding. Look what God says. Verse 7 says, So now I will attack you like a lion, like a leopard that lurks among the road, like a bear whose cubs have been taken away. I will tear out your heart. I will devour you like hungry lioness and mangle you like a wild animal. This is God. You understand this is God talking. You're reading it along with me? I'm not making this up. Verse 9, you are about to be destroyed, O Israel, yes, by me, your only helper. When you tell God, sorry. Now, we went to Ruth's brother's funeral. He was a self-made man. Self-made man. Self-made. And she got that little glimmer of hope through that story that he might have, down to breaths, not days, down to breaths, reached out for God. All we got was this. She reached out. As the nurse over them was a believer reading the prayer of salvation. That's all we got. Self-made man. Self-made. So you know how they do videos of the person that died. There he was when he was young. There he was when he just got married. There he was. And they're doing that. And of course, Ruth is hoping to see pictures of her mom and dad. And she did. And there was some, you know, there's some nice in that. But we were grieved trying to watch it because it was put to the music by Frank Sinatra singing, I did it my way. And we're like, oh, please turn that so we got a little bit of glimmer with that hand reaching up to that lady as she read that prayer. Proverbs tells us this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful. Someone really loves you. And loves God. Sometimes you see you bump a little bit off course. You're like, hey, man, what's up? What's going on? Faithful. Usually that's never really received very good. But the Bible says faithful. God shows us that faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so God will wound you to heal you.
I would use the analogy, maybe it's a bad one, but lots of times I would say, you know what that guy needs? He needs a two-by-four across the head. Spiritually, two-by-four. The physical one, we kill him. Spiritual one, where God just, I'm going to get his attention, and whack. The wounds, however they come. Some are hard to take. But only God knows how to do this. And this is why he does this. Proverbs 19, 18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope. God says, chasten him. Discipline him while there's hope. Because there's coming of an age, there's going to be no hope. And you can't take this six foot five kid and put him over your knee anymore. Or a five foot eight, 16 year old. And his mom's going, You behave more. And he's like, What, mom? What are you going to do? As sad as that, and silly as that, it's true. And so God tells you, You chasten him, wound him while there's hope. And then he goes on and says, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Let him cry. After you give him something to cry about, if you're raising young ones, and we are God's children, and God will give you something to cry about and then let you cry for a while. Don't spare for their crying. Don't stop. Don't stop chastening. Look at the big crocodile tears. And we fall in all that stuff. Chastening means discipline, instruct, and admonish. And if God's got to do that to you, he'll do it. And there'll probably be millions kissing his feet, thanking him that he did it to them. Because if not, you would have never have learned discipline. Or instruction. And you'd have been about your own merry way. Right to destruction. Because all we like sheep. Go astray. And God says we've got to break that one's leg. Maybe this means that there's still hope for America. Because God is chastening. If God didn't care. Go, Let them do. I'm done with them. I'm done with them. Forget it. So maybe it means, God, that there is hope for our nation and for the church and for you if God is wounding you because you've been off to some clover field and don't have a clue that you're overindulging in some type or form of sin. And if God doesn't break your leg or whack you over the head, you're going to eat yourself to death in this sin. And so God says, i got to wound you to heal you. And he does. He gives you the shot. Boom. God. God. How, whatever form it comes, every one of you that have been blasted, doubled over in God, has probably called upon God more in that shape than you ever have in your life. You know that's true. 
And that's what God is doing to America now. <sighs> Waiting to call upon me so that I can heal you. Father, he'll come to me. He'll do that to you. He'll do it to the church. He's doing it to our nation. If you are sitting here hurting, crying inside over some dealings or foolish choices, you should be saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for getting my attention. Thank you, God, for caring. Thank you, God. Because God grabbed you by the nap of the neck. Come here. And now you're in that situation. You're crying. And God is trying to show you, maybe even tonight, through this, this is of me. This blunder, this situation, this circumstance you find here, this tragedy, this thing, just trust me through it. Hosea 6.1 says, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but He will heal us, and He will bind up our wounds. God will do that for our nation. And we know that's probably pretty much 100%. Not a lot you can say is 100%, but pretty much every one of us have come to God through some horrible crisis, some terrible thing, something. Never because everything was just wonderful. If you thought you were born saved, please. Some crisis, some something. And then you've come to Christ. And God will tear down, even as you come to Christ, and after a walking, and you can start walk off the path and not even know it, and God will have a wall for you, bam, and you just fall down in a heap. You know, what? God! And then, I didn't know. I never caught that. God corrects you through discipline. I believe God wounds in order to heal. I always believe that. I'm saying I like it. I'm thankful for it, but I don't like it. Psalms 119.17 says, It was good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. That's how we learn. You know that's true. It's just how we learn. Jeremiah 18 says this, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise, Go down to the potter's house. You're the work. And God's this great potter doing this work. You're the lump. You're the clay. And so he tells his prophet, go down, and I'll cause you to hear my words. I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheel. I know you know this. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred, ruined, spoiled for some reason. A rock got in it, or it broke when it was being, it just something cracked, and God says, it's, it's marred. He's telling the prophet, look at it, it's messed up. It's not what I intended to be, it leaks, it doesn't hold my glory. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemeth good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. 
You're in the hand of God no matter what situation that's going on. And if you flubbed up and marred what God's doing, then he'll break it, crush it, and start all over. Yes. Thank you, God, for not just throwing me out in some heap somewhere. And that's what Jeremiah, word of God comes to Jeremiah and says, can't I do this with you? So if that's what's going on, you need to say, thank you. God, thank you. Just do your work. Don't tell God it's enough. Okay, God, I get it. Just let him do what he does. Hebrews 12, 8, New Living Translation says, If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate. It means you're not God's. You're not God's. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. God says, hey, I deal with my children. I discipline them. Well, I don't, you never, God will say, I don't know you. You're not one of mine. You can say the name of Jesus. You can come to church. You can sing in a choir. You can preach. But I don't know you. You're illegitimate. I'm not your father. Do you see that stuff? So if God is dealing with you, you should be going, thank God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go hear the heartache stories from Adam and Jennifer sometime. Go ask them. When they hear stories from the kids and my dad, never see him. He don't care what I do. Just read one on Facebook before I came here. Thought, oh, Jesus. Happy Father's Day to my dad that won't even come see me. This freaking stinks or something like that was said. They want their dads to come. And so if Almighty is dealing with you, you should be going, thank you, God. Thank you. If he's never dealt with you, you better get in the mirror. Say, God, am I really yours? Did I just concoct something in my own head? Because God said, I always deal with my children. There's not one of them. God doesn't go. I mean, it's, I don't know how many. But we did it once. Years and years and years ago. We are about two miles from church, and we so many side count heads. Where's Joseph? I don't know how we did it. We just we just forgot him. God never does that. God doesn't go, where's Joseph? Now he's 33, and he's all bent out of shape, and he's not a right man of God, and he's all confused. No, 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 no. God knows all of his children, and he deals with every one of them. And if he's not dealing with you, then you're either a church attender or a phony. Because God says right there the authority of his words. In Hebrews 12, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Wow. Whew. That's a reason to come to the altar. 
God, I want to be your child. God, there's a stubborn streak in me. And it's in all of us. Proverbs 3.12 says just a few more. For whom the Lord loveth, he corrects. I'm telling you. A lot of us are into that grand, grandparent, grand thing. Pap, Meemaw, all the different names they give us. Kind of cool. It is absolutely cool time of life to have that. But if they do stuff, you better not just, oh, 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 oh. you're a fool if you do. You really are. Don't fall for that stuff. Because they'll play you like a banjo. For whom the Lord loveth, he corrects. If you love them, then you correct them. Even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. That's what God does with us. And that's what he's doing right now to America. That gives me hope. Okay, God has not turned his back on America. He's dealing with her. Ripping her apart, ripping her heart out. I don't know, probably, you're probably like me. Anytime you see the American flag, there's a part of you, yes, and there's a part of you, oh, what's happened to it? Isn't it? And then this will be the last one. Remember this. Talking about wounds. How about this one? He was wounded for my transgression. He took the blow for me. He was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquities. It's a principle that God uses. And we can see it in our nation. And sometimes when you run into a brick wall and everything's just... And when you get your wind back, you need to do like Paul did. Say, Lord, is it you? Remember when he said, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Down he went. He couldn't see. Hit the deck. It was God doing it. So it could very well be God, especially if you're in the foolishness and silliness and you've tricked us all but you cannot trick God. God will wound you to heal you. A wayward thoughts, circumstances, hearts, things you're doing, stuff you're listening to, been ignoring God's callings and tappings, all of a sudden God's going to go, what? Everything's no, what? And everything crashes. And then who's there? God with his broom and his dust thing, shovel. Never misses a piece. Comes back to his great ability and starts again. And you're listening now. Now you're going, yes, Lord. Praising God, giving God glory. And he's going, this is all. But it took the breaking and the shattering. So apparently God loves us more than we ever figure. Let's stand.
Before you go and enjoy the rest of the evening, hope you can take a few moments. You see, because a lot of times those of you who are fresh in the things of God are usually a lot better than us that maybe are stale in the things of God. Been doing this for almost 40 years. Maybe you've been doing it 40 weeks and you're going, man, that was great. I can't wait. And I'm going, yeah, I heard that one. In fact, I preached on that a long time ago. So don't dismiss. Take some time here at the altar and tell God, God, I want to be your child. Or tell God, God, I understand now what's happening. Lord, maybe why everything I do is not working. God, show me. If it's something that I've done, if it's a direction, if it's a turn I shouldn't have taken, Lord, I'll repent, but you've got to show me. Or God, is it just a season, a time in my life where I'm just to walk in obedience by faith and giving you my answer? I don't know. I don't know.